As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This thing on, Cannon? It better be. Where's your line at, dude? You always follow me up there. Sorry, dude. I actually I forgot. It. You, for, <laughs> you forgot. Day. You forgot it already. It has been a long day. I can never get enough for Are you toothless, Cannon? First, let me ask. Are I you toothless? Not, but I, I probably will be here soon. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. You're taking no, the role of being on Hillbilly Broadcast very seriously. Like he is going to be a, weir- a real get West Virginia. Get as many teeth as you can. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He has very strong teeth. Yeah. Oh. He got some very strong teeth. Don't huh? all those bodies and whatnot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> cannibal. Giggity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gee whiz. No, it's, uh, it's actually all good. They just said I need a, just need really a cleaning, honestly, so we're good. You don't clean your teeth? <laughs> no, that's well, cute stuff, man. Once a month, you know. <laughs> well, your wife takes her um, bi-weekly shower. Exactly. And you hate on people. I yes. am. I really, I'm loaded right now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> maybe you should clarify that. I, mean, I was just like, <laughs> not money wise. Yeah, definitely not money. I am a not certain a certain Pentecostal dude don't care for that uh, conversation we had there. Right. I forgot about him. I should. What's y'all? Uh, that might be another. We don't want to get into that can okay. of worms right now. Uh, now, remember okay. that dude? That, uh, yeah, let's just move on. Let's move on you, you really don't want to talk about this. Nah, Let this me guy, just say, I was hoping my girlfriend shaved her legs. I was getting tired of them what, being what hairy. Are you, what are you doing? <laughs> you understand? You understand? Y'all understand yeah. why I'm nervous? You yes. See, uh, you see, this is the beginning. I'm just living up to her reputation. I'm actually reputation. sweating a little more than usual myself. <laughs> <laughs> so just let me just paint the picture here. So we've got. Totally sober. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so we've got uh, we've got a we've got a guest on. We got uh, maybe maybe a, a quiet guest. We just put it that way as well. And then um, <laughs> the one <laughs> I'm a silent listener. Our, our interview, what interviewee? Yes. See, I'm nervous tonight. Is a pastor as well. So we are really. Oh, we really, have to be on the best behavior here. Canon, oh, we really got to uh, behave. Yes. <laughs> Don't, don't send the podcast. Okay, so y'all need to know that I was born and raised in the mountains of South Carolina. So, ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a little that. more comfortable. <laughs> For sure. For least, sure. At least we ain't dealing with no Yankees at the moment. In the mountains of South Carolina. Yeah. 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 So. Now we're talking. I, born and bred Southern girl. So I'm not scared of any of your conversation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cause we are a little redneck. We're a little bit, uh, 
What was the word? <laughs> hick? Was that someone they called West Virginia a hick? hick? Who was having that conversation? Your dad was having a conversation. Was I don't know who. He I'm not even someone. sure there was another guy involved. I think it was just your dad. <laughs> <laughs> talking to himself <laughs> yeah. said that we were hicks uh something like that yeah i actually got called one they said that i, I didn't know you, it was, i didn't know it was bad to be called i hick, didn't know it was bad either like it. but someone up in um up in new jersey they were telling us hey yeah y'all you hicks down there in west virginia and i was like okay <laughs> i didn't realize that was a thing to call us hicks let's go ahead and jump into this because i'm i'm really been looking forward to yes. the interview tonight it's taken me forever to put it in it's purely on my fault um i finally discovered that it might be a little more it might be better if i start scheduling things in advance sure. instead of just just being like hey <laughs> somebody want to be on the podcast this week <laughs> so, so we finally, people don't just randomly show up they don't just randomly call it don't work that way <laughs> no, no we're not quite that popular <laughs> not not yet so guest tonight we have tracy bowen Bowen, and the way I remember that was talking about rednecks. Bow hunting, I remember. You never can, you never can tell, man. Like bow and arrow, like she said. Bow, <laughs> Tracy Bowen, she, uh, her and her husband. You are, should have known right there when I was talking about the bow and arrow that, you know, yes. that I had some kind of, you know, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's not kid ourselves. That accent don't uh, don't exactly mask where you're from either, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> so I live in Florida now, and I have people all the time say to me, where in the world? Did you get that accent from? Because I know you're not from here. Yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you. Let me tell you a funny story real quick. So a few years ago, I got. I was. I was. I'd worked a twelve-hour shift at the job that I was at at that time, and I got home late at night. It was like ten o'clock at night. My hands were full, and I was walking up to the door of our house, and there was a rattlesnake curled up right in front of our door. Oh no! And so oh, I quick thought, like, I have kids. He has to die. So I put my foot on his neck and I tapped on the door with my elbow. It was the only free thing I had. Oh. And one of the kids opened the door and I stuck my head in the door and I said, babe, you got to bring me a knife. And he's like, what? My husband's in there going, what in the world? I said, you got to bring me a knife. <laughs> so he comes out the front door. Now, y'all need to know that my husband, God love him. He is a very manly man, but snakes terrify the life out of him. So when he looked down, <laughs> and saw the snake had wrapped the rest of his body around my leg once I put my foot on oh. his head. So the snakes just oh, wrapped around dude. my leg and I was wearing shorts and sandals. So he looks down and sees that snake, and he almost died. Oh. God love him. And I said, honey, I said, you see half of his head's hanging out right here on the other side of my foot. You just have to cut his head off. Just cut his head off, okay? <laughs> so he cut his head off. Okay, so my husband is telling this story a few days later to a group of people, and I didn't know it. I walked up right after the story had been told. And one of the people looked at me and said, did you really do that? And I said, yeah. And he said, where are you from? And I said, I was born and raised in the mountains of South Carolina. He said, I knew it. I knew it. There ain't no South Florida girl who would put their foot on the head of a snake. I knew you were not from around here. So, I, I am in Florida now, but this is not where I've always been. I, I'm a country girl. So what is Florida? The Canaan, you got some experience down there too. So I'm actually, I'm curious. Uh, is it like uh, transplants then? I mean, is it, how come they don't have like the deep South reputation that, uh, you know, like South Carolina and Georgia and all that does. It really is a melting pot, especially South Florida, which is where we're at. But we're actually inland just a little bit where I'm at. And so most people have this idea of Florida as 
Disneyland or beaches. Mm -hmm. But Midland, Florida, the middle of the state, is nothing but ranches. And so Mm -hmm. where we're at, it's a cow town. And it is Mm -hmm. cowboys, legit cowboys. Uh, You walk into stores, they've got their spurs and their boots and there's ranches everywhere. There's cattle everywhere. Um, It's just, as far as you can see, just country, country, country. And so the middle of Florida does have very distinct um, landscape that is not what people picture in their head when they're thinking about Florida. So I actually fit in here pretty good because um, you have to be a little bit of country to be right here. So, yeah. But South Florida is a melting pot in general of just everything you can imagine. So where you're at, is that where all the Florida man stories that I see on Fox news come from? <laughs> it, it's true. It's true. So, so I'm actually, we, we live in, um, we live near like Okeechobee and it's full of alligators, just absolutely full of alligators. And there was a guy just a few years ago was like, dared to swim out to a pier or out to a buoy in the water, you know, with tons of gators everywhere. And he had had one or two, too few, many, and he jumped in and Imagine swam that. out there and came back minus an arm. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit lighter swim coming back. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Those oh things Lord. happen here. Gee whiz. Wow. Oh, I thought West Virginia was wild. Y'all crazy down there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very, there's actually a lot of very uh, country folks down there, honestly, rednecks. If you get out just outside of like Hope Sound area a little ways, you'll start look, finding oh, yeah. people that look like they came off like Brookback, but I mean Yellowstone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Canaan, that was good. I was like, <laughs> Uh, so you say, uh, not everybody looks like Rush Limbaugh down there. Is what you're trying to say? No, <laughs> Please, man. Oh my goodness. It's really cool though. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. What is that? Is that close to where your brother is? He's on the other uh, I side. got a brother in, uh, t- is it Titusville? I thought it was Titusville. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I have no Titusville. Idea. So that's, I don't know, probably about three hours up the okay. coast from here. That's getting, yeah, that's getting closer to Georgia. I think I literally know nothing about Florida. Yeah. Or, I don't years, know anything. Let's get, let, let's, let's move on. Let's, let me finish this introduction. Uh, uh, so Tracy, you and your husband are campus pastors at Christ Fellowship in Okeechobee, Florida. Uh, which right. you, you told me was a very, very big church. Now, if people's wondering why Tracy's here, yeah. because she grew up like we did, and we all uh-huh. and like we did. I'm know. very interested to hear this. Yes, in the uh, like Amish light, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> oh no! I'm sorry. I shouldn't. Have. Oh. I should be nice enough. So yeah, I, I we think we weren't that bad. Yeah, it weren't quite that bad. Now the Bible Missionary Church where Miss was at, that's a whole different story. But let's Oh, yeah. oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, so, so, what denomination uh, did you grow up from, Tracy? So, our the little church that I attended growing up was non-denominational. My grandfather started it because he had gotten upset at actually his own brother was the pastor of another little holiness church there, and they got into some little feud about something, and so my grandfather went over and started his own little church, and. That's uh-huh. the church that I grew up in. Good so, reason to start church. Um, <laughs> 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 yes. That's how they start. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. when you mentioned you mentioned as well that this is you know you're on the 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 pastor staff or, or you and your so are you and your husband are you like the main pastors at this because you said it's a campus pastor so this is like a separate location I'm guessing from like the main campus. 
Uh, okay, so maybe explain um, it to me I don't bit. know. I don't know if you're familiar with um, the term multi-site. So imagine. Um, so the main um, the main hub of our church, I would say the main um, the, and it was the original church, kind of like where the church started and it grew from there um, is in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. And we have, oh my goodness, I don't even know. Uh, 13, maybe other campuses besides mm. that now. Wow. Um, it, I don't know. It may actually be more than that. I kind of lost count. Um, but it's so every single site has its own, um, leaders. And so at our particular site, we would be the leaders of our site, but we're not the leaders of the church. We would fall underneath the leaders at Palm Beach Gardens. They're the the lead pastors of the church. I see. If that okay. makes any sense. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but that's kind of how it functions. So the way we describe it is one house, many rooms. So yeah, I like that. Okay. That seems reasonable enough. Yeah, because like when you're saying campus, in my head, I'm thinking like, you know, college or something like that, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's not that at all. Right. No, it's a full on church. Like we just call it a church campus because I mean, we've got multiple buildings and that kind of okay. thing. So it's just the property where our church exists gotcha. is our, the, the Okeechobee campus of Christ Fellowship. So, yeah. Okay. Kana, maybe you can, you can uh, help me out on this here. It seems like at what point, there was a point, I don't know what the line was, but at some point, if a holiness church, a church could only get so big before somehow. The devil automatically came inside of it, and it was just all over. <laughs> this. I mean, like multiple campuses was never. Uh, oh yeah, like it was. Do it was off limits. Well, we don't know why, but it was. Well, man, they couldn't grow one church. I mean, how do they think they're going to grow multiple? I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't say that to be mean either. I'm being serious. Yeah. So I think that probably the original um, thought that I shared with you about how the church that I grew up started because somebody got upset with somebody else. And so I think a lot of that has happened within holiness circles. And so nobody's ever gotten a chance to even grow big <laughs> enough to decide like what we would yeah, do because point. there has been a lot of fracture because eventually um, everybody wants their piece of control. It's really built mm -hmm. on control. You know? And so this person is like, Oh, wait a minute. You know, um, I want to have, my say in this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they pulled their direction and and so yeah it just kind of ends up a really fractured mess i remember hearing um someone asking like you know what why are there so many groups or why why are why do people end up going back to the group let me just say that and usually it's because um they like that control because uh, I had a guy friend, he had left the BMC church and um, he went back and it, he he's done well for himself. He's got some money. And um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you would go back there where women are considered um, second rate and uh, children are supposed to keep quiet in church and women are supposed to keep quiet in church. So there's two thirds of your group right there told to be quiet and so, of course, you're going to have men, like a small number of men, because usually men are not really big in the church <laughs> movement. My child Anderson is, agrees with you there. Yes. He's upset. <laughs> he's upset about that. But, you know, As he should be. Yes. Why, like, why, why would you go somewhere else? Like, you, you are going to be 
one out of three, you'll be picked for all the power and all the positions in the church because you got money. We should rethink our decision exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> we should. Sign me up BMC. <laughs> yeah, go there. As long as like, uh, use your money to, for because it gives you power. I hate to say it, it's true. So I think multiple factors are um, play into that conversation. Um, one of it, one of them is exactly what you're saying. I think that this particular brand of religion attracts the people who like control, especially yes. control mm. over women. Um, it attracts those kind of people, and so they are going to. They're they're going to land in a place where they're given the power, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And Absolutely. So that is part of that is part of the issue, and the other part of the issue is that, and you all know because you were in it, but when you're raised in it, this is the one true way. This mm-hmm. is the yep. one true way. This is the one true way, and a lot of people find it really find it really really difficult to let go of that. Um, thought process. They walk away and they leave, but they still always feel that nagging thing in their mind of, did I walk away from the one true way? And so they get kind of pulled back in because they've been so brainwashed really in that line of thinking of it cannot be any other way. And they're never able to come out of that mindset. And yeah, it's just... It stays with them forever as a kind of a weight on their shoulder comes in. I feel like that's that's the dangerous part of that group. Yeah, like Mariah said, that's where it becomes cultish, and it's like because Mm -hmm. how many people have we received messages from? I I can't even list them all, but have been feeling like there's no way but that one way, and so they have to go back to that way if they want to make it to heaven, or they're bound for hell. But it's like impossible. Yeah, it's impossible to follow. Right. So right. it leaves you between a rock and a hard place. Right. So I've gotten, oh my goodness, we've been out of the holiness church for many years now, but I've gotten more private messages and texts, I think probably over the last two years from people from that background reaching mm-hmm. out to me, asking the question, how in the world did you stay connected to Jesus and leave this? Mm-hmm. Because that's their biggest fear yes. is I'm walking away from Jesus. I'm not just walking away from a church. I'm walking away from God. That's what they feel like when they walk out the door. Mm-hmm. And so they've kind of been um, looking and the internet has opened some of that up. And there's been, there were a lot of rules around the internet in the beginning, especially in my part of the holiness movement. I don't know about the other parts, but there was a lot of rules around the internet. It was kind of really restricted, but they've kind of been loosening the reins over that over the years. And it's gotten to this point where they can see other people on Facebook like me, for instance. Mm-hmm. They, they've been watching me now for a few years on Facebook because they've actually finally been allowed to get Facebook. And they're looking and going, wait a minute. Like, it seems like she really loves Jesus. Like, yeah. wait a minute. Yep. She's a part of a church who's like loving their community. And that all looks good. What's wrong with that? You know, right. and it mm-hmm. looks like, you know, like her family loves one another and like her life didn't, you know, she's not you know, been murdered and, and, um, you know, had all these horrific things that we hear at the altar calls when they're singing oh. soft, early and tenderly. 25 times. Oh my goodness. That, or pass me not, not a gentle hurt. savior. Like that is yes. a good one too. Yes. Gracious. And, yes. and so they're looking at that and they're going, wait a minute. And so it's kind of like opened up this little idea in their mind that, wait a minute, maybe I've been lied to. And so I, 
I have gotten more messages and I firmly believe that it's because of the fact that the the reins have been loosened a little bit, like as far as internet and stuff like that, and that people have just been able to see more outside of their bubble. And it's caused a lot of questions to pop up in their minds of, wait a minute, this, something's not right here. This doesn't add up. And um, I get that a lot. Yeah. It leads to the question too. You mean you can make it outside of the holiness movement? Like you won't crash and burn I mean, you still have a life mm-hmm. and you're able to develop friends and you're able to like survive without yeah. a group. Like I've had messages from people saying like they they almost are surprised that we're able to um, feed our children and be part of a life without the holiness church. Yeah. I mean, like I, I've had so many conversations like that with friends. Well, when you think about it, when we were in that, that was our whole world. And so you can't imagine having a world outside of that. Right. I mean, right. it literally takes up every space in your life. They have their own schools. Yes. They have their own churches and the churches. There's, you know, a fall revival and a summer revival and a spring revival. And then there's camp meeting in the summer. And then there's this other camp meeting in the summer. And then, and so and there's just meetings, meetings and your whole social world is caught up in 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 their circles outside of it. It is and so they can't even imagine they can't even imagine um having a social circle outside of that. And it is intimidating to start a social circle as a 20 something year. I was 21 when we left that a church that I was raised in mm. that my grandfather wow. pastored was 21 years old. I had already had two kids. Um, had been married. I got married six days after I turned 17. And, oh, wow. Yes. Wow. And um, because that's what, well, there was multiple factors there. First of all, um, my family was full of secrets and a lot of things that were not good. Mm. And so our rules covered up a lot of yucky stuff. And I married somebody as quickly as I could to get out of my house, which is like, you know, the greatest reason to marry somebody. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, that was just bright future written all over that. Right. And um, so that was one factor. And then the other factor is I'd literally heard my whole life, you know, that's what women do. They get married and have babies. They get Mm -hmm. married and they have babies. That is what women do. And so it fell right in line with everything that I had heard from a gazillion preachers at a gazillion revival services and camp meeting services and all of the things. And so I, I was just a little baby, little baby child. And I, so I, we got married. Um, I graduated from high school when I was 16, got married six days after I turned 17, had my first child when I was 18, had my second child when I was 21. And that is when we left that church. And so I was a 21 year old girl starting my life over completely. And it was horribly intimidating. It is scary. I get that they have a lot of fear about it because it was terrifying. But what was even more terrifying for me at that point was staying. I had reached the point where pulling into the parking lot of the church made me physically ill. Mm. Physically ill. I would get so nauseous. And I would look at my my husband's name's Matt. And I would look at him and say, I can't go in here. I just, I can't go in here. And it was just years, first of all, of secrets. And all of the things that I'm doing, trying my best to get 
God to love me, just wanting him to love me and never feeling like that I could get there. And then underneath, and then you add in that layer of all of the things that I was hiding and you add in the layer of all the standards and all the desperation of trying your best to get to God. And I was just, I was a broken mess. I look back on it now and I actually think like with the knowledge that I have now, I think I was probably on the verge of a nervous breakdown, but I would not have had the knowledge or understanding of that to even articulate that in any way at that time, because they don't talk about mental health at all. You just have to pray more. You're not praying enough. You're not praying enough. And so I would not have had the language to understand, you know, even what was happening to me, but I, I feel that I was right there. Fortunately, my husband, the only reason we had stayed up until that point is because honestly, my family was, my grandfather was the um, pastor of the church. Um, My parents were heavily involved, obviously. My uncle, my aunt, like my family was the church, you know. And so he had known that if we ever left, that my family would make it really hard on me. And he just didn't know, you know, how I would stand, like how I would handle that. And that's the reason that we stayed as long as we had. And then when I told him, I remember the one Sunday that I told him, I just can't ever go again. And he said, are you sure? He said, cause you know what your family's going to do. And I said, yes, I'm sure. I said, I can't, I cannot ever go there again. And we didn't. And my family did exactly what, you know, we had thought they would do. And they were a, a dis- dysfunctional, toxic mess, but they were the only thing I'd ever known. And what, what you, when you're walking away from the only thing that you've ever known, it's terrifying. Oh my lord, yes. So I get all of the fear that people have about leaving. Get it 100%. But no, I absolutely did the right thing and I'm so grateful that we <laughs> made the step that we did. For sure. For sure. We were talking about that that they they become like your um your entire social life. Uh, Miss me and you have watched some people before try to leave. Right. But they, they become, it, it's, it's like some of them, they don't know how to act. They, they don't even, because uh, to Tracy's point, what she's saying there is where they, they just wrap you up completely. And, and even things, I've thought about this before, things that normally you use to become a part of a community, like even going to, uh, like going to high school football games, you know, in the, on Friday nights, you know, that's usually you know, the community gathers in there. Well, that's a sin, you know. If they got uh, right. if they got a local band playing somewhere, well, is it uh, you know is it somebody that could be played at Stoneboro Camp meeting? If not, then that's a sin. <laughs> You know, it's like if it's, <laughs> Camargo camp. They can't go to Camargo camp. Then they can't come here. <laughs> so it was just like every little thing, like it, um. So a lot of restaurants, even some of the small town restaurants around here, miss they serve alcohol. Right. Well, the one mm-hmm. I was with, uh, they serve alcohol. Well, then you can't go there. That's right. supporting the devil. Never mind, we can all go to Walmart, but don't you dare go to Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand exactly. that mentality. Yeah. I don't understand that at all. Because like you'll go to Walmart, but you can't go to the place where they actually have a designated area, just like Walmart, for alcoholic products. 
I, I don't understand no, that. There's no reasoning when you start going down those avenues. I've tried in my brain to try to figure. There's just, it's not there. It's, yeah. just, just lay that down, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't ever going to figure that out. <laughs> and and I, I hate to be like that, but like, you're right. In my head, I'm kind of like, just think about this for one. Have a independent thought and think about it for once no, on your own two feet. <laughs> and it's true. It's like the moment you start doing that and you start asking the the hard questions that right. no one wants to ask. I I mean, my goodness, that's when you get ridiculed. Like a listener, we had write to us and say like they, they've been yelled at repeatedly over and over and over just for asking a question. And it's like these questions need to be asked because these people feel like they're going to hell. They need yes. help. Yes. I had a guy I was just talking to a couple of days ago, and he he probably, I would say he, he had to be getting close to 40. Yeah. And he was asking me questions that obviously, <laughs> I mean, look at me. I didn't have answers for them. Right. You know, because some of them were deep questions. Sure. But he told me, he said, this is the first time I've been able to ask these questions and not get yelled at. I'm like, dude, that's, that's, that's crazy. That's scary because I, I think he has a family or, and he has people that he's trying to help uh, right. guide so truth Jesus. is not scared of questions. Mm-hmm. Truth is not afraid of that. Yes. Truth invites that because it wants to speak mm-hmm. truth. And it stands where it stands and it doesn't move. And it's just not afraid of conversation. It's not. And anytime somebody is afraid to have a conversation with you around beliefs, that is a red flag. Mm. Yeah. It's I like just it. a red flag. That's true. It That's is. Very good. Um. Now, that being said, I, I, I want to, I'll tell you what our next step was. So this was a very um, strict holiness church, right? That I was raised in very, very strict. When we left that church, I would have, I think at that point, been um, comfortable to never go back to church again. I firmly believed that there was a God. I never, I didn't have any doubt in my mind about that. I just knew that there was no way that he could love me. So I thought I was hopeless, that I was there. There was nothing for me. Right. But we had two kids and Mm -hmm. I thought maybe um, he might not love me, but he could possibly love my kids. And so Mm. if he could love them, I I wanted them to know him, you know, and because to be loved by God was the thing that I wanted the most. Right. Right. So I wanted it for my kids if it was a possibility. And so we did go to another church and the church that we went to was a holiness church. Now, mind you, you know, there's different levels of holiness churches. There's the churches that are the really strict, you know, you can't have internet, you can't, you know, the girls have to wear the pantyhose all the time. And then there's those worldly churches where the girls don't have to wear pantyhose all the time. I mean, worldly, worldly, what, you oh know? Oh my goodness. So, yeah. You don't wear leg makeup? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went to one of those worldly holiness churches where the girls didn't have to wear pantyhose all the time. And they were allowed to wear sandals. I oh. still, to this day, oh. remember oh. the first pair of sandals I ever bought. Mm. I was 21 years old. I remember every single detail of those shoes. Mm-hmm. Which, when I tell people that, they think I'm a lunatic. They're like, you remember your first pair of sandals? I was like, you don't understand. No. This was like a highlight moment in my life, okay? Right. Exactly. I, so, <laughs> so I went to one of those worldly churches where you could wear open-toed shoes. That's what they call it. Because you know your toes are so sexy. Like, my goodness. And 
I've been fighting men off ever since. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> they want a peep show of those times, girl. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, we did go to another version of that. Because, and again, I, I look back on it now and I know that that felt kind of safe to us because we were familiar with some of the language. They were very worldly compared to the church that we came out of, but yeah. it still felt comfortable. That being said, I have zero doubt in my mind that God meant for me to be at that church at that time because that pastor's wife, who is a holiness woman, she saves me. She literally saved my life and she and her husband saved our marriage um, because, you know, I got married to get out of my house. So clearly we were a very, very healthy marriage. <laughs> and uh, and I had all these secrets that I wasn't telling anybody, not even my husband. So, so healthy. So, so healthy. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we were we were in a bad place. And this woman, y'all, she loved me like Nobody had ever loved me. And she she would handwrite letters to me from her house. Like we lived in the same city and I would go out to my mailbox and I would get letters every single week from her. And then I would see her at church and she would share part of her journal and her relationship with Jesus and all. I mean, just open up herself very personally, very personal things. And she would share about things that she had experienced and learned about God very just loving and very transparent about her life and her relationship and learning to grow and to know God. Wow. She was amazing. She was amazing. And a few years into that, um, for the first time ever in my life, I was honest about some things and told her things that I had never told anybody else. Mm-hmm. And her response I'm going to cry. I always do. Every time I tell this stupid story <clears throat> was just to love me. And I thought if she can know everything there is to know about me and love me, that maybe God could do the same. Oh, that's and that was wow. the very first time that I had an idea or thought in my head that God could love me. And right in the middle of that, of course, we were in some pretty extreme marriage issues because I had a lot of issues and my husband was tired of dealing with my issues and he was just done. And of course you all know, like divorce in the holiness churches, you know, so for him to say to me that he wanted to divorce me, I knew he was done because we were raised. You didn't even say that word, you know, that was, that was like a a four letter word. And um, (laughs) so when he was like, you know, he wanted to, to leave me. And um, the husband of that same lady who loved me so dearly had a conversation with him and told him, Matt, I hope you know you're doing exactly what she expects you to do. Everything about her history has taught her that men will always hurt her. And she's expecting you to do this. Now you need to do the unexpected thing. Hmm. And something about that statement flipped something in Matt's mind, and he determined he was going to do the unexpected thing, and he did. Hmm. And we, with a lot of help and love, were able to work through some significant issues and have just last month, 
celebrated our 29th wedding anniversary. Wow. 29 years nice. together, and we have five wow. boys. Aww. So those people, I know that we were supposed to be there, and I know that there are good people in those churches. Yes. And I will say, this is something that I have wrestled with in my mind, honestly, over and over again, because there is so much unhealthy that is there. I think, how in the world can this be? You know, how can there be help in the middle of unhealthy? And I don't know how that works. And I don't understand all of that. But I just know that those people and those people to this day still, I mean, and their holiness to this day, their holiness, but they have visited Matt and I in our home. Even in the current church that we are, hmm. they love us and pray for us, and we inter- they interact with us like brothers and sisters in Christ. They have never one time made us feel like you left the holiness church, you know, ah, you know, wow. leprosy, nothing. They've wow. never. So they, they are some of the people who are, I genuinely believe, just live out their faith, and they love Jesus, and Jesus has them planted there, and that's where they're at, but they love people the way that people need to be loved, because that's how they love me, and if it had not been for them, I know, I mean, just, I mean, just looking back at where I was, and how broken I was, and how she just, when I tell my story, I tell them that, I tell people that she loved me to Jesus. And she did, loved me to Jesus. And it's where I I found a relationship with him. And it's where my marriage was fixed. And we ultimately ended up moving to Florida for for a job for my husband. And we went to a holiness church down here after we moved here. And at that church, um, some things happened that reminded us of the church that I had been born and raised in just some control things and just, and we looked at each other and said, wait a minute, like we left this. Mm -hmm. We already, we already went through this drama once of living through this kind of, no, 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 no. And, um, we made the decision then to completely break away from the holiness church. And so that is when we completely broke away. That was 2010. So it's what, 12 years, 12 years ago. Yeah. 12 years ago that we completely finally broke away from the holiness church completely. I I like why you said that um, she was able to love you through Jesus, because that's exactly what it is. I know there's a lady um, that was really important in my mom's salvation um because she said this lady she had tv but let me tell you she was a holiness woman she knew who jesus was and she was able to take care of all the little things that she could like her physical side as well as her spiritual side and just loved her through it and that's uh, that is so important for your statement of being you know loving them on the outside but still also loving them on the inside as well just loving people, yes. period. Just loving people where they're at instead of, um, excuse me, let me measure you to see if, <laughs> you know, the, the skirt's yeah. exactly where it needs to be. And I'm sorry that you have all this crap that you're carrying from your childhood that was very, very difficult, but we're not going to talk about that. Let's check out the stress. Right. And that's, yeah. a, that's so much of what happens there is yeah. just, mm-hmm. you're, you have issues? Well, you don't got enough faith. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You just need yeah. to pray more. Right. And you are actually made to feel horrible for yes. things that happen to you. You know, like your childhood, you're innocent in that, right? right. <laughs> yep. You didn't ask for any of this, but somehow or the other, you're made to feel that because you're struggling because of things that you had no control over happening to you, that you're the bad guy. So it's just it's just such it's such a messed up situation. And I've heard more and more of it over the past few years, like I said, than I have in many years. We've been out of it for a while and consistently get I have private text messages, private messages on Instagram, on Facebook. Can I ask you a question? How did you leave? Yeah. Can I ask how you feel about this? Like, is this wrong? Is this, you know, and just simple things. And uh, it's just consistently over and over again, all of these hurting people who are terrified to ask those questions to the people in their church. Terrified yeah. to ask those kind of questions. And so they're reaching out and having those kind of conversations with me. I think that uh, you said that you... Y'all made the, the jump at about uh, 2000 and, uh, 2010. I think 2010 was right about when I started mine. I, and I had a long journey. <laughs> that was just when I, I think it started crossing my mind that you know some things just didn't add up and all that. But um, why do you think that is? I'll get your take on this. Like, so the holiness movement, and this is sad to say, but the one that that um, you were telling us about the pastor's wife that just really loved you through all this and, and helped you out. Why are they the, the outliers in that movement? Is the movement just so caught up with works or was it in with standards that, you know, um, like why do you think that is that they just they put so much emphasis on, uh, like you said, measuring people and they, the love part's just completely gone? Because of the emphasis, and we see it so clearly, um, even in the Bible, you know, the Pharisees were 
the people who were supposed to be the most religious, but they had gotten so caught up in the outward appearance that it's all that they cared about. And there's a um, a chapter in Matthew where Jesus is like on a rant against them. You know, he calls them whitewashed tombs, oh, full yeah. of dead men's bones. I mean, like that whole chapter is nothing but it says you would cross an, o- an ocean to save somebody and then not let them into heaven. It's it's it. The language, I've read it several times over the past month, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this, the, he was calling them out. But it's when religion becomes so based on appearance, uh-huh. it's what, it's what you're judged by. Like how, if that's what your, if that's what your religion is, is rules, how else are you going to gauge whether you're holy or not? Right. That, that's what the religion is. And so you're going to look at, are they following all the rules? That's, that's the gauge. And people have totally, completely, um, because we're people, it's what we do. <laughs> it, we end up corrupting every single, every single religious system over time. We end up messing it up because yes, we're people. But, um, because we get caught up in the way that we would do things and we get caught up in the things that we can see because that's because we can see them. Right. Um, and, but God doesn't look at things the way that we look at them. And he looks inward in places that we can't see in people's hearts to the real motives of their hearts. And that's what matters to him. And that's just not something that we can fully wrap our head around. We can say it like I can articulate God looks at the heart, but to actually think that through and think, there's no way I can know the heart of another person. I can't know that. And for some, for somebody who wants control, I mean, ah, you know, right. that, that, that's terrifying. And um, so, yeah, we it's just completely gotten lost in all of the rules. And over time, I mean, we've seen it. Um, We've we've all seen it in the different preachers that come through. Like how many times have has a preacher come through and they've added another rule because they started preaching on this, you know, know, that and that never was a sin until they got there. And then all of a sudden, then you have to be as holy as they are. Right. And so you get the rule added to you. And it just it it, it just keeps becoming this thing that just get heaps heaped on you. And it's always everybody else's stuff you know they think this is wrong and so you have to think it's wrong and nobody is allowed to walk out their own personal salvation with fear and trembling nobody is allowed to have personal convictions nobody you can't have that it's got you have to see things the way that i see them that is the biggest fault yes in the holiness church you have to see things the way that i see them they they allow for no room and that's why they end up having so many fractures even among themselves right because even among themselves this person starts thinking this way and this person's over here going well you know i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna you know and so they part ways because you don't think the way that i do they cannot be around anybody who doesn't think the way that they do? Yeah, and it's of the tiniest it's, little things. Exactly, exactly. You have to align in thought about everything, everything. They leave no space for any any personal relationship with God, and it is a personal relationship with God. I didn't, I didn't get saved to join a church. I got saved to 
be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Exactly right. And so my relationship is with him. It is personal. Now, I love church. I lead a church. I think church is great. Um, It was church that hurt me. And it was church that healed me. And I think that because we're humans, we mess some stuff up. (laughs) And uh, hopefully in the middle of all of that, um, I feel like if we listen to the voice of God, they'll get us to the right place with the right people and get us where we need to be. I believe in church. I believe in the community that happens there. Um, I, I, th- it's a good thing to have people that you're doing life with and you're cheering each other on. But if your church has an idea or thought pattern of you have to do things exactly this way, this way, this way, in regards to lifestyle issues of how you're dressing and that kind of stuff. And it has to be this way or you're not a, no, no, red flag, red flag, red flag. If they're having to come in and draw the lines on where your clothes can end and not end and where you, you know, can eat at a restaurant or not eat at a restaurant, that's not, that's not relationship. That's just somebody telling you what to do. And if it's like that, it shouldn't be that way. Church should be community where you're cheering each other on and celebrating together and praying together when you're in rough spots and everything. It should not be, oh, what's, well, do you see her? I can see her elbow. I can yeah. see her elbow. You know, that's not what church should be. And I, I people's listening, I could vouch for what Tracy's saying because I used to feel that way. And I tell you 100%. That's how I looked at things. If if somebody didn't line up with me on 100% of everything, um, then they obviously had a big spiritual issue because I was the holy one. It's, uh, See, you it's were disgusting. the problem. I was the problem. I was one of the problems. You're exactly right. <laughs> You're exactly right. I look back on it now. I, there's times I cringe. I'm like, oh, my Lord, Phil, what was wrong with you? But... Uh, <laughs> but we all kind of feel that way when we're in it, right? Right. Because we've been taught to think that way, you know? So you kind of, it, it's a whole process to switch your mind when you get out because you're used to automatically thinking, oh, look at them, oh, you yeah. know? I can, yeah. see, I can see her clavicle. I mean, she's a whore. <laughs> and yep. that's just how your brain works because it's how, you know, and so to make yourself think a different way, it's, 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 it's difficult. <laughs> and you talk about these extra rules that they put on too. I and I've ranted on this before, I think, but I just heard another instance of it the other day, and it it aggravates me so bad. So what they'll do is they'll take a rule, so let's say like wedding rings. They they love to preach on wedding rings, uh huh. And they'll say that that's a sin. That's not a sin. That's nowhere near a sin, right? But they'll say that's a sin. So then I heard a preacher the other day, and he was talking about he was preaching. He said, uh, you know, want to let you know that that you can graduate high school and not have a class ring, and you can stay married and not have a wedding ring. And then he would go on to say stuff like, um, well, I'll even venture to guess that uh, people that don't have wedding rings, that their marriages last longer. I'm like, okay. Uh, no proof facts, behind that. please. But right. of course, go we ahead. know, you know, how we, <laughs> why should I think they'd use facts for an argument like that? But so then he goes. I'm going to need a bar to study that substantiates that claim. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. But it's, the, you know, just pull those numbers out. So, and then he said that there was a young couple in his church he said they were trying to live so close to the world that they started tying strings around their fingers instead of it. So I thought, dude, you're literally preaching on string. You went from preaching on, 
You preached on wedding rings, not a sin, <laughs> to now you're preaching on string because you put it in the same, you tied it around your finger and all of a sudden it's a sin. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you people? Well, and like, didn't, didn't, um, there was, and I'm going to just going to bring it up because we talked about it and, um, I'm not trying to offend the person that we have a listener who really thinks highly of this person, but, and I'm going to restrain from even saying who it was, but there was someone in BMC leadership, um, who said that if you're not, if they're not with us, they're against us. Talking specifically about TV and internet. Right. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. Like, and that's where this whole idea of um, if they're not 100% with us, then they're against us comes from because that's how what they're teaching us. Yeah. They have that like, is that line of thought of yes. you have to think like I do. Yep. Exactly. You have to think like I do. And here's where I, I, I really think that this stuff warrants even public critique because uh, I listened to a sermon by R.C. Sproul one time. <laughs> Ooh, Phil's listening to Calvinist. <laughs> yeah. On this message, he was very good. I really liked him. And he was talking about legalism. And he, he talked about how the Apostle Paul got so upset at Peter because Peter was requiring circumcision of some of the newer Christians. And it, it, it's in the book of Galatians somewhere. I don't remember exactly where. But it says, Paul said, I confronted him to his face in front of everybody that was there. And basically come all over him for adding to what it took to be a Christian. Uh-huh. And so my opinion is, if it was being added to because somebody was trying to enforce circumcision, what is requiring that, you know, you can't show your clavicle, or you can't wear a wedding ring, or you can't have short sleeves, your elbows can't show. You I can't, can't have a string on my finger yeah, to remind me that I'm married. What is, what is that doing? I mean... <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not a member, a, a, a Christian in good standing... Right. Because you don't do those extra biblical things, well, I see no difference yeah. in what Paul got mad at and what these guys do uh, today. Well, and if anything, he handled it like in public in front of yeah. everybody. That way you can be like, he well, hot. he got upset with me in private. He didn't. No, <laughs> yeah. we went directly to the source, which is how we should be handling it. If you have a problem with someone, it's not like we're trying to do he said, she said thing, because I, well, I get sick of that. I really do. Just go directly to the source and be like, okay. I heard this. Is this because I, I had a situation today come up and I was like, I heard this and I, I need to know, did this actually happen? And this person was like, yes, it did. And they were able to tell me their side of the story. And I agree with their side of the story. I hate to say it. I saw her, both sides of it and I was like, yes, exactly. And the truth probably actually lies somewhere in the middle of that. Sure. <laughs> because <laughs> usually that's the way that it rolls. But this is the this is another little piece that um that is a definitely an issue. People do not know how to have conversations anymore where there's disagreement. Like we run from that. We absolutely run from that. We don't know how to disagree. We think of disagreement as actually, we see that as unhealthy where actually disagreement is it creates conversation. You get to talk around some issues and both sides get to explain and you get to like, it can actually be a really beautiful part of communication, but we do not know how to do that anymore. We don't know how to disagree with one another. It's not, it, it is. We don't know how to do that anymore. Yeah. Well, and it's one thing that needs and to be taught. We definitely don't know how to do that in the Holiness Church. Right. Exactly, a disagreement is not allowed. Whether it's not allowed in there. So, 
Whether yeah. you're Democrat, whether you're Republican, whether you're independent, it does not matter. Even like with politics, right? Like we exactly there, there is no one sitting there. Like at least our founding fathers, they would sit behind their in their desk and start screaming at each other. At least they were talking. People don't even want to talk now. I know, but then they they knew the context of that. Like they would yes. walk outside of that room after they had their little you know argument about the Constitution, and then right. they would run down probably to the little tavern on the corner and <laughs> and, and have uh, have a sandwich and some beer. They went to I, Samuel that, Adams Brewery. <laughs> That's exactly where they went. They, Samuel Adams Brewery. I, I, exactly. <laughs> we, I, we we all know that's exactly how it happened. Right. But no, but we know that they they were able to leave it in that room. People knew like the context of things. Like this is in here, and then out here, we can have a conversation. Like you don't have to see everything like me for me to have a conversation with you, for me to be a part of your life, for me to interact with you. You don't have to think the way that I do. People do not have that concept anymore in their head. Everybody is like, you know, oh well, you don't agree with me. Well, I'm out. Yeah, you know, we can't be we, friends because you don't agree that um, the sky is a perfect shade of teal. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't agree with that. So I don't know if we're going to be able to continue this conversation. <laughs> right, right. Where does that come from? Because I don't understand. Well, I know when David Graff was on, he uh, when he was talking about the, you know, how he pushes back against the, um, you know, the idea of the second work and all that. Right. And, uh David Graff does seem to enjoy debate. He's good at it. Yes. You know, I, I'll get to reading some of his uh, Facebook wars he gets in. And he does, it, he does it well. It's not like he's just slinging mud. You know, he does it well. He does it. He's know, done his research. He's kind of an academic, you know, and he's, uh-huh. he does his research and all that. Yep. But uh, he said that, he said, I don't know of debates on this. He said, I can't find them. I want to hear them. Right. But I can't find them. In fact, he said there was that, uh, he told the story about that there was, there was a some kind of a forum or something these people were going to have, and it was it was put on by a holiness outfit, and it was going to be about the second work of grace, and so he wanted, of course, to partake in it. Right. And they said, yeah, you can join as soon as you sign this paper saying that you fully agree with the second work of grace. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, What's wait a minute, point? I don't think y'all understand what a debate is. I know. <laughs> he's right. like, no, I can't sign this. That's why I'm here. Right. We're going to debate or not? They, it's it's debate is just not present. It's not. It's going back to that control thing, though. They were trying to control everybody that was coming in and what they thought. Right. So that's on on their end of things. It's a control thing, and then from an outward perspective, I would say that these kinds of things haven't got talked about as much as they should have over the years. Because the people who do come out either, number one, feel so damaged by everything that they experience that they struggle with that damage for the rest of their life. And I have a lot of friends who have done exactly that. They've just struggled so much um, just in multiple different areas because of all of the baggage that they have from church. And so they, they, they don't even feel strong enough to have a conversation about it because they're so broken. And then you've got people who just completely are done with church. I'm done. I'm not having, I don't even want to have a conversation about it. I don't want to have anything to do with church ever again. And then you've got people like me who went on to develop a good relationship with God, a healthy relationship with God and actually moved on. And my husband and I are in ministry and I will be honest with you all. I've been super cautious, super cautious up until about the last year of my life when addressing anything about my history. 
Mm. in detail. I was kind of, I mean, I was clear that I went through some difficulty and that kind of thing, but I never really dug down into how much it was connected to the church that I was raised in Mm -hmm. and um, that kind of thing. I was, I've been, I was ambiguous about that. And I struggled with, um, because I am in ministry, I don't want to go around slamming other ministries. That's not, that's not like, because I love the church. I actually love the church. And so to do this, to have this conversation was extremely difficult for me because it feels like in some way that I'm harming the church and everything within me doesn't want to do that. It, it, it does not want to do that. The issue that I've come up against, though, that has that has brought that over the last year, I've been more vocal, I think, than I've ever been in my life and um, and continue to plan plan to be that way is that the amount of people that I'm having conversations with who are so completely broken, who Mm -hmm. are so completely confused, who are so completely um, damaged and they, they're just, it's just a mess. And, and it's at what point do we, how, how, how long do we let this go before we start saying like, this is unhealthy. This is unhealthy yes. and it shouldn't be this way. And I'm not saying that I had to understand within my own mind. I'm not saying that church is wrong. I'm saying church handled in that way is wrong. Yes. Right. Um, I feel like that any church is going to have healthy and unhealthy people in it. And so because unhealthy people are in it and because people are in it in general, and we're not going to get things right. We're just not, we're people. We just always manage to do the stupid thing. So because we're involved, it's never going to be perfect. And there are going to be church hurts that happened and nobody's ever going to get it exactly right. But it should not be that people have to recover from church. Like their hurt should be that, you know, oh, you know, she she talked to me in a weird voice. I don't know if she's mad at me versus I feel completely broken inside. I'm on the verge of a nervous breakdown like Absolutely. it was when I left the church. That's two completely different things. Yes. And so and so just getting there in my own head. And I feel and I feel like that there's a lot of people who are in that same boat, you know, like they're Christians. They actually have a healthy relationship with Jesus. They're either a part of church or they've went on to become ministry minded in some way and involved in volunteering at a church or leading in a church. And they don't want to say anything because you don't want to say anything against the church. Um, We love the church. And so we don't say anything because we don't want to hurt the name of the church. But at some point you have to step back and go, what's happening over here? is so completely unhealthy that it cannot keep continuing without somebody saying, wait a minute, some something's wrong here. It shouldn't be this way. People should not have to recover from church. Um, it should be the place that you go to recover. It should be the place where you go and get help and hope and all of the good things. It, it it just shouldn't be the way that it is. And there's so much of that. And it's becoming just, again, I think it's because of the internet, just being a lot more 
you know, out there and everything that people can communicate more easily without everybody knowing, like the people that are messaging me. Um, <laughs> nobody knows that they message me. You know, right. it's, a, it, it's a secret. And, but it, it's opened up a lot of doors for people to be able to have a lot of communication and see things that um, are outside of their little bubble. And they're asking a lot of questions. Wait a minute. It doesn't have to be this way. Somebody can go on and, you know, still, you know, stay married. Like I thought everybody else at the holiness church got divorced the next day because that's just <laughs> what happens. Right. Yeah. And um, just all of the things that you hear, all of the horror stories. Oh my gosh. I remember one uh, teacher, one sermon talking about um, the, a guy who got murdered. This is the whole, you know, softly and tenderly thing. And, you know, it's the whole murder scenario. And, and, and he was decapitated and, and they wrote red rum across the, the wall. And the whole time softly and tenderly is going on in the background. And they're telling you that that's what's going to happen if you leave. That's what they're saying. It's no wonder that we all believe that stuff oh, because, yeah. my goodness, it was fear driven yes. into us. Yes, it was. Fear driven into spiritual us. trauma. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can still remember standing there at Clinton camp and it, even at night it was like eighty seven degrees and standing there, you know, and softly and tenderly is on about, you know, the twenty sixth go around. And they're just, uh, they're yeah. just telling all these stories. Like, and I'm like, I don't want to get murdered and have somebody write on me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will go back to the altar for the five hundred ninetieth time. Yes, it because is. <laughs> I don't want that to happen to me. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. At some point, you have to be able to say this isn't the way that the way that it should be. And the other thing, I think that's, that's causing me a lot of concern at this point because we're in the big, you know, deconstruction fad. Everybody's deconstructing, uh-huh. and you hear everybody talking about it all the time. And I deconstructed back when it wasn't cool, um, but. <laughs> But in the middle of all of this, because it's kind of a because it's kind of the thing right now, I feel like that a lot of people are getting lost in that out of they're coming out of this and they're not finding any kind of healthy conversation around these kinds of things. And so they're getting lost in a lot of other conversations and getting pulled away from the church completely, which which I hate, and I don't want that to happen. And so we've got to start talking about these things so that the people who are experiencing them can know there's a safe place to talk about this. And um, you can walk away from that and have a relationship with Jesus, and you can have a healthy relationship with Jesus and a healthy relationship with your spouse and with your kids and with, you know, you can build a good godly life outside of the holiness church. I know that they're screaming that you, that you can't, but you can. So I just have to get that off my chest. (laughs) That's exactly what I was, that's exactly what I was hoping we we could get across people tonight because I, I do feel, and and yeah, like you say, it's, you know, it's cool to deconstruct at the moment, but, but I, I have no desire to point people towards, okay, leave the church and then just sit there, you know? And sometimes I feel like I'm not very good at, getting across to what you just said, especially in the way that you just said it, you know, it's, uh, there is a life after the holiness movement. And it's a life that can include a, a good, real healthy relationship with God. Yes, it, it absolutely can. And the thing that just in case there's anybody who's out there listening, who's going, 
you know, uh, so I'm one of those people that are, you know, just getting ready to chunk the whole thing. And I don't want to, you know, and some of the first things that we tend to say to people who are in those kinds of, in that phase of, I just don't want to have anything to do with church anymore. I don't want to, well, what you need to do is you need to read such and such chapter in the Bible. Well, they're bobbled out. They're just, just bobbled out. And so it actually, actually makes them like break out in hives a little bit, the thought of, you know, picking up their Bible. It actually can stress them out because they had so much trauma connected with that. If there's anybody out there who's thinking, just what is my, what would be my next step if I wanted to know who God is, like really know who God is, but not have to go to a church service because I can't go to a church service right now. Those people just stress me out. Mm-hmm. Um, I I tell people to watch the Alpha series. You can watch it on YouTube. It's free. The Alpha, Alpha series. Okay. Alpha series. Alpha series. And it's just basic conversation about who got who Jesus is and about the Bible and the accuracy of the Bible. And it's just, it's, and it's all very well done. And it, it's, again, just basic conversation in a video format that is very engaging and very informative. So if you're right there of like, where do I go? What what should my next step be? I, I actually do want to know about God, but I don't want to go to church right now. Watch the Alpha series. You can Google it. You can find it on YouTube. And it's a whole series of videos. There's like 12 videos. And the very first one start talking about like who Jesus is. And it is just a good starting point of thinking to yourself, okay, I'm going to give myself a a blank slate in Uh my head of everything I've ever been told. I'm just going to lay all of that aside. And I know that's hard. (laughs) And it's not going to be something that you do in one second or one day or one minute. But just tell yourself that for just a minute. I'm going to lay aside everything that I've been told. And I'm just going to start right here and watch that and let that be your beginning. What I hate about people who are doing the deconstructing thing is they're literally walking out of church and they're going and looking at all of these other ways of belief. Right. And they're not really examining Christianity because they feel like they know everything about it, right? I've been mm-hmm. raised yeah. in church. Yeah. I've been to 500 million church services. I can quote you the whole book of Psalms. You know, I mean, <laughs> like you feel like you know everything there is to know about it. And so you literally do no digging yeah. in regards to the Bible because you feel like you know it all. Right. So you're running out here looking at this religion and this religion and the no religion and the, the stars, you know, and right. studying astrology. And, you know, I mean, just all of these other things because you already know everything there is to know about Christianity. But you don't. You know what they wanted you to know mm-hmm. about Christianity. And so I want people to know, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a better way. There's a better way. And yes. you can actually know Jesus and have a healthy view of him and understand that he loves you. And that, that's what I want for people is for people to not walk when they're doing the deconstruction thing, just walk out and be like, okay, I know everything there is to know about religion. No, you don't. You know everything there is they've told you. They know you they everything yeah. that you they've told you and, and like ninety five percent of what they told you is a lie. So. <laughs> I love the way you put it, Tracy. Yes. I love the way you put Cause, it. Because it punches. is true. That whole yep. um relationship with Jesus is not real something that's really taught. Mm-hmm. I um I was blessed but to be able to have parents who have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so that's why I knew about it. But when I was coming back to the States, it was all um about 
the outward appearance and it was never really about what, what, what did God tell you? What, what is, what is personal for you? You know, what, what did the um, Bible say about certain situations? You know, it was, it was in order to have that relationship, you have to have both sides of it. He has to talk to you and you have to talk to him. Like he talks to us in his word. And, And so without having that communication and that relationship, we're just basically going along with what someone says and living off their relationship with God. And and it's not personal. And that's why we wonder why our kids are not serving Jesus. We were just having a conversation about that. Um, But um, holiness kids, we wonder why holiness kids are not sticking around. They just dip out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's because they've learned that they have to look apart. And we all know mm-hmm. that, first of all, that's unsatisfying. Looking apart is not actually being the part, yes. right? Yes. We right. know that. And then number two, again, we'll go back to what I said earlier. This kind of religious system attracts all of the people who want control. Yes. And so half of those kids are in homes with parents who are really bad people. Yeah. And it's all mm. covered up with a long dress and with a hair pulled straight back and with a guy in a, you know, three piece suit that is black and not any tie at all, or either <laughs> it's a black tie and you know, all of that kind yep. of stuff. Like it, you look, you look the part. And so we know how, we know how fake all that is. And, but they're raised in the look, like if I can get the look right, because if you get the look right, you know, I mean, my family, my goodness, my, my, there were awful things happening in my family, awful things happening in my family, but we looked apart. We looked apart. Yeah. And that's all so that really matters. it's just, and that, and yeah, and it, it, that's all that matters. So it, it's unfulfilling to look the part and it's, and it's, and it's not real. That's not a real, and it attracts all of the people who are crazy. It attracts yes. crazy people. Yeah. And the ones that are in for it, the wrong wrong reasons yeah exactly. the wrong reason because there are like you said good people there are some wonderful people um yeah and i know and i'm gonna bring him up so go ahead and ring that bell phil but dr graham you know there he has is. decided there's, Andrew graham mentioned for the week. <laughs> <laughs> there's dr graham um he has decided that he wants to stick with the holiness movement and make that his ministry and we were talking about how you know are we too aggressive with how we're uh, addressing certain issues but for us it's because we are going after the people that are broken and hurting. And like going back to your comment, um, you felt like you had to, you didn't want to hurt the church. And that is not our goal either at all. Cause we are trying to make it to heaven. We are trying to do the best that we can. Um, but we're still going to be human. We're still going to make mistakes, but we still need to be putting out there that there is someone who loves them. You know, not like Jesus loves them and we love them. And so we're trying to bring those and let them know that there is a better way. And to say that, you have to say that's not the way. That's that's not accurate. That's not right. And when people are being hurt the way that they are in some of these systems, um, just the amount of shame, the amount of confusion that people it, it, it is okay to say it should not be that way. It's okay. And I had to just come to grips with that in my own head. Of, right. It's okay to say that, Tracy. You're not harming, you know, you're you're not hurting Jesus <laughs> by saying that, you know, people shouldn't be walking out of churches severely emotionally damaged. Uh, it, it, it's okay to say that it should not be that way. 
Yeah, that's a weird one to finally, I think when I finally got to the spot to where I could say that, uh, you know, because for a while you're just kind of like, well, you know, yeah, I disagree with him on a lot until finally, finally I find myself, I'm like, nope, that ain't right, guys. <laughs> that ain't right at all. What's going on over there? I don't want to keep you too long. I uh, greatly appreciate you coming on. You've done exactly what I hoped you would and uh, really laid out a beautiful case here for why you don't have to throw Jesus away just because you decide to uh, you know, throw the CHM away. Well, that's, that's the goal. I hope that if anything else <laughs> was heard out of this tonight, I hope that people hear that, that um, you can know Jesus. You can, you can know Jesus and you can walk away from the CHM and you can know Jesus. You don't have to stay in a place where you're confused. You don't have to stay in a place where you're being hurt. You don't have to stay there. You can leave that and you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And I feel like as well, like, like you talked about a lot of things that uh, the internet's really helping us along. So, you know, it's a lot easier now to uh, find other people of like mind to kind of get some support from as well, instead of just, because uh, they're they're probably gonna swing at you. <laughs> they're gonna take some swings at you. Oh yeah. But uh, oh yeah. There's there's a bunch of us out here now, so <laughs> we can all lean <laughs> off each other a little bit. I've reached I've reached the point and point now where it it literally makes zero difference to me about the things that said about me within the CHM. Um, I would, you know, it. Yeah, it just zero. And there's people that I talk to who have been out of it longer than I have who still struggle with that. So I realize that I really am like blessed to be able to to have that mindset because right. it just it makes zero difference to me. And I don't mean that in a nasty way of I don't care about them, but I just their thoughts about who I am and my relationship with God and that kind of thing, it's just has no bearing on my life whatsoever. I know the truth, you know? And so when you're, when you're in a healthy relationship with God, other people telling you that you're not makes zero difference to you, you know? <laughs> yes, like, indeed. That's a good place to be. You just keep talking. I'm just going to be over here loving Jesus yep. and loving people. <laughs> yep. A wonderful place to be. I find it a lot more peaceful exactly. these days. I really do. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Miss, do you have anything else to add? I know you're over there bouncing that little sucker up and down, but uh, you got anything else that you want to add before we, before we shut her down here? No, I, th- I think I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, answer has been particularly heinous this evening, hasn't he? <laughs> Tracy, if anybody's down in the Florida area, uh, give us a name at church again if they want to if they want to stop in and, uh, and uh, go to church with you. Christ. Fellowship Okeechobee. Come to Christ Fellowship Okeechobee. Christ Fellowship yeah. Okeechobee. I like it. Come visit us anytime. Yeah. And thank you so much for inviting me on and just giving me an opportunity to tell Absolutely. people that they can they can know Jesus. Yep. That's what it's all about. <laughs> That's good stuff. I like it. Well, I feel like, you know, we've we're like-minded hick people right yes people. exactly so right to get to know you a little bit better yes. <laughs> th- that's one of the things i like about this podcast is I- i'm talking to people that i i've never met a day in my life but we have so many things in common because of you know the the church uh movement or whatever you want to call it that we were a part of and so I- i've really been enjoying that getting to know people like tracy and uh uh, Texas Ben, he knows who he is. I don't have to say that. <laughs> and John, uh, who's the one that hates that one? I don't say names. Give me 
John Baker. John, I'll say your name, John Baker. <laughs> Tracy, thank you very much again. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Okay, bye, y'all. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.